start by asking this uh, question. If I were to ask you, what do people generally think of when they think of the church? If you went out there and did sort of a poll and you said, first word that comes to your mind when I say the word church, or when I say Christians, what comes to your mind? Right now, probably what would come to a lot of people's mind is sex scandals. Well, it's, it's all over the place. That's what they're reading about. That's what we're hearing about. And it's, it's, it's gross. It's, a, it's, it's atrocious. And, um, but that's what's on their mind. Maybe, maybe for some, depending on their experience, they'd say, oh, it's nice music, or they'd say it's boring music, or they'd say it's nice sermons, or they'd say it's boring sermons, or they'd say it's nice people, or they'd say it's mean people. A lot of people would say, oh, Christians, they're, they're, they're just judgmental. They're kind of uh, holier than thou. They're sort of standoffish. Uh, there'd be a lot of opinions about uh, Christians, a lot of uh, thinking about church. Uh, there'd, there'd be some good things and there'd be some bad things. But I bet less than one out of a hundred people would say, would have the first thing that comes to their mind when you say church or when you say Christians, they'd respond, oh, love. They, they just love. They love each other and they love other people. Uh, very rare would it be, and it would be a person who had an exceptionally weird experience uh, with, with Christians, that that would be the first thing on their mind. Love. No, those people, they just love. That's, that, that, that's the impression that I get from them. And yet, see, this is tragic, because if there's any one single thing that we are called to impress the world with, it is our love. If there's one thing that we need to absolutely get right, it's got to be love. This is the, the center of the center of the center. I want to review a little bit what we talked about last week, because I don't think we can get this too much and get it too frequently and get it too repetitively. I want to review this. And then I'm going to go beyond it and add a few more things. It's all about love. We saw last week, we defined love most, most fundamentally as, and there's other things that could be said about this, but the most fundamental definition, the definition of love is given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is about ascribing worth to another. Through our words, through our deeds, even through our thoughts, we ascribe worth to another as Jesus ascribes worth to us. It's, it's about ascribing worth. We saw last week that everything that God's about is, is, is love. God is love, it says in 1 John chapter 4. God is love. He creates out of love. He creates for the purpose of love. The, the reason why creation exists is to display God's love. And the role that human beings are to have in this display of God's love is that we are to replicate, to mirror, to repeat, to embody the love that, that God has for us in the way that we love one another and in the way that we love the world. And it's as we do that, that God is glorified. That's the purpose of the world. We become mirrors of God's own love. We are loved with the same love that God is, and we are to love others with the same love that God is. So the triune God, the perfect love of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, gets refracted, it gets displayed, it gets glorified throughout creation. That's the reason why anything exists. The center is all about love. This is why the Bible tells us that the most important, the single most important thing that we are to do is love. It says this in 1 Corinthians, Let all that you do be done in love. All that you do. There should be nothing that we do that is not done in love. Live in love, the Bible says. Live in this one. Put this one on and never take it off. This should characterize our life in the morning, in the, in the afternoon, in the evening. With our friends and with our enemies, we are to live in love. Another way the Bible says it is to abide in love. Another way the Bible says it is to live in God or to abide in Christ. These are all one and the same things. We're to live in love. 
How? As Christ loved us. This is the very definition of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us, we're to live in that. We're to live in Christ. We're to participate in His love, which is to participate in His sacrifice and laying down our life for others, ascribing unsurpassable worth to them in the same way that He ascribes unsurpassable worth to us even though we don't deserve it. Above all, Paul says, above all, whatever else you can think of that we're supposed to be about, uh, about, put this one above it. However important it may seem to you, this is more important. Above all, clothe yourself with love. Put this on and don't take it off. Wear this like you wear your skin. Clothe yourself with love. This is, this is the message we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the beginning, this is the middle, this is the end of the message. And it's one single message. It's the message. It's not one of the messages. It is the message. Every other message we might uh, talk about is, is a corollary of this message. The message is we need to love one another. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. It is that simple and it is that profound. When we do this, everything else that's required of us gets fulfilled. So, the, so Jesus said this, On these two commandments, to love God, to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't say the one without saying the other. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that's important in the Old Testament and everything that's important in the New Testament is summed up in this. The whole law, Paul says, is summed up in a single command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That sums it all up. Do this and everything else that God requires of you will end up getting done. The one who loves another, Paul says, has fulfilled the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans chapter 13. This is the center of the center of the center. Do this and everything else that needs to get done is going to get done. But don't do this and there's nothing else worth getting done. This is why the love message is the one message we don't have to worry about being balanced on. You know, if you're worried about balancing it, you've got a dysfunctional definition of love. You don't have a Christ-centered definition of love. We balance something when, when there's something of equally competing importance. Well, there's love and there's biblical truth. But see, biblical truth, unless it's, it's, it's clothed in love, becomes damaging, as we saw last week. Balancing is about having two things equally important. You've got to make sure that you're, that, that you're giving equal attention to them. But the Bible says above all love. Now, there's other things that we're about, but we're about them because they're aspects of love. You see what I'm saying? When love gets into second place and love gets into third place, then, then we end up doing things that are not loving, that are not biblical, and the reputation of the Lord in the world is, is damaged accordingly. Above all, love, 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 love. Do this and everything else gets done. And don't do this and there's nothing else worth getting done. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, a passage that I think we've heard too frequently. We've made it too flowery, and so it's lost its radical edge. Pretend like you never heard this before. If I speak in the tongues of mortal and of angels, that's a good thing. And I have prophetic powers, wonderful. That's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Man, I want to sit at your feet. That's great. I give away all my possessions. I want to model your behavior. Wonderful. But if you do not have love, you are nothing. Think of the implications of that. Think about a person who has prophetic powers and understands all mysteries and understands all knowledge and, uh, and gives away all their possessions. We couldn't help but be impressed. And yet, in truth, if it's not motivated by love and if it's not promoting love, if it's not ascribing unsurpassable worth to other people 
if it's done with a different agenda and for a different purpose to draw attention to themselves or whatever, it just counts as nothing. Nothing. Clanging symbol. Bang, bang, bang. Bong, bong, bong. It just is a bunch of irritating religious noise. And we don't need more irritating religious noise, do we? Amen? It's all just religious noise. The bottom line is this. It doesn't. If we're seeing straight, if we're thinking biblically, it doesn't matter how correct you are in your doctrine. If you don't have love, it's worthless. It's not just like less important. No, it's worthless. It doesn't matter how big your church gets, how, how impressed the religious world is with your church planning abilities. If it's not about love, it's worthless. It's not just sort of a little of less value. No, it, Paul says it's worthless. It doesn't matter you know, how, how great your worship services are. And it doesn't matter how wonderful your sermons are. And it doesn't matter how wonderful your programs are. And it doesn't matter how good your social outreach is. And it doesn't matter how many people you witness to. And it doesn't matter how frequently you go to church. And it doesn't matter how, how much you give to the church. If it's not about love, it doesn't have any kingdom value. Amen? This is the center of the center of the center. If, we, if this ain't getting done, ain't nothing worth getting done. Anything else we might get done is not going to have any value. If we get this done, everything else that's important will get done. But if we don't get this done, there's nothing else worth getting done. If this ain't happening, ain't nothing happening. It's got to be that central to us. Here's an analogy. And I want to call this sermon Knocking Over the Bear for this reason. Knocking Over the Bear. My son and I like to go to the state fair and he loves to play those those money trap, uh, you know, games where you throw, uh, you know, balls at animals and knock them over and you win them. And you spend $100 getting a $10 bear or something. But it's fun for him. And so we, we go to the state fair. And then, no, no, let's say that there's this very unusual booth that we happen to hit on. And in this booth, here's the rules. The rules are this. You got 10 balls. And, you got, and, and the deal here is this. You knock over... Knock over the bear, and you win all the animals in the booth. But if you don't knock over the bear, it doesn't matter what other animals you knock over. You don't get to keep them. What animal are you going to spend all of your balls shooting at? Very good. The bear. This is kind of a mindless one. You're gonna, the only thing that matters is hitting the bear. You get that one down, you get the whole booth. You don't get that one down. Uh, then there's nothing else worth getting down because you're not going to get it. And so it is with love. This is Christianity 101, but it's also Christianity 10,001. Everything we aim at, everything we shoot at, everything we aspire, uh, aspire for, everything we try to be, the center of the center of the center has got to be about love. Now let me go on from where I was last week and, and, and add this. The distinguishing mark of the believer, according to Scripture, is that we knock over the bear. Oh, like everything else, we don't do it perfectly, but we're getting better at knocking down that bear. This is the central distinguishing mark of, of the believer. It's the central distinguishing mark of the Christian. The word Christian, uh, in Greek, it means Christ lookalike, someone who looks like Jesus. In the Bible, uh, uh, believers didn't apply them to the, to, to, uh, they didn't apply that title to themselves. Other people call them that. In fact, there's a group in Europe, I did a conference uh, several months ago in Europe, and though these folks won't call themselves Christian either because they think it's arrogant. If other people call you that, well, fine. Boy, you look like Jesus. But you don't go around saying, I look like Jesus. If you've got to say it, <laughs> you probably aren't it. You see? Now, the center of, of what Jesus is about is His death on the cross, and that's the very definition of love. So to be a Christian, by definition, the center of it, 
The distinguishing characteristic of it is love. A love that is like Jesus Christ, who gave His life for us, who ascribed unsurpassable worth to us when we in in and of ourselves had no worth. When we do that with others, we're doing what Jesus did. Therefore, we are Christian. We are Christ-like. We're Christ-lookalikes. We're disciples of Jesus. This is the distinguishing mark. Listen to to what the Bible says. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. John is, is just so, he's very blunt. He's black and white. There you go. <laughs> no pussyfooting around here. You're liars. You don't love your brothers and sisters. Don't say you love God. See, when we saw this last week, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are put in Jesus Christ and you become a participant of the divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4. You participate in the divine nature and the divine nature is most fundamentally love. You participate in love. If you're in Christ, you can't help but participate in love, not just as a recipient, but as a conduit. Love begins to characterize your being. That's how you know that you're in Christ. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. This is the mark. Whoever does not love abides in death. You've got two realms here. You've got love and you've got death. There you go. You're either in death or you're in love. And if you're in love, you're in love. The the, the love begins to characterize your being. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Think about that. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you know God and if you're born of God, the love of God is going to be in you. The most indicting thing Jesus ever said to anybody is when he, when he, when he uh, looked at the Pharisees in John chapter 5 and he says, the love of God is not in you. In other words, you're abiding in the realm of death. Very religious. Oh, you look good. Very religious, doing a lot of good things. But the love of God is not in you. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God lives in us. Okay? And, and the evidence of that is that we love one another. God lives in us. And His love is perfected in us. Okay, it's displayed in us. We don't see God as He is in Himself, but we're supposed to see God in one another. Amen? We're supposed to see God, and the world's supposed to see God in us. As God lives in us and through the love that we have for one another. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us, John says. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. It goes over and over and over. The commandment we have from Him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters. It's exactly what Jesus said. Uh, you you want to know what the greatest commandment is? Someone asked him what the greatest commandment is. He says, well, I'll give you two. You have to give two. You can't answer with one. You love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Ascribe unparalleled worth to God. But then the worth that He ascribes to you, to you, you now ascribe to others. You love your neighbor as yourself. And in loving your neighbor as yourself, that's how you ascribe worth to God. That's why the two are as inseparable as the Trinity. Loving God, loving self, loving neighbor as yourself, they all go together. Believers oftentimes, I think quite misguidedly, but they oftentimes ask the question of themselves and even more frequently of other people, how are you doing? How are we doing? And and we're trying to assess uh, you know, our, our walk with God. Are we for real or not? And we look at things like, like, how are we reading the Bible? Are we reading the Bible more and more? People, you know, if you're really a believer, you'll be reading the Bible more and more. You'll be praying more and more. You'll be giving more and more money to the church. You'll be going to church more and more frequently. You're, you, you, you know, you, you're going to have warm feelings towards God. How am I doing? And we look at things like this. How, are you conquering that particular sin in your life? And there's nothing wrong with those things, and, 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 and it's good to be growing in those things. But 
the distinguishing mark that, that the Bible gives us, the center of the center of the center, what it is to knock over the bear, is this. Are you growing in love? And we hardly ever ask that one. Is your heart for people expanding? Are you finding that the way God loves you, you're beginning to love other people and you're beginning to love yourself? This is the, the central distinguishing mark of the believer. Is there this love that is there? Are you abiding in love? Is love abiding in you? Are you finding that you're getting a, a greater capacity to look past the exteriors of people and affirm the inherent, unsurpassable worth that God ascribes to them? Are you growing in love? It's the distinguishing mark of the believer. It's what it means to be a Christian. If this ain't happening, ain't nothing happening that's worth happening. It's not just us who know that God abides in us because of His love. It's the world. And God leverages all of His credibility on this happening. This is why there could not be a thing that's more central than this. Listen to what Jesus says. First, or John chapter 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. They'll see me in you. How? If you love one another. This is it. It's not how good you can pass out tracts. It's not how good you can win arguments. It's the love. It's the love. And that's how the world will know that, in fact, you are my disciples. Father, I pray, Jesus said, that they may be completely one as we are one. Here's the prayer. Here's the goal. This is the purpose for which God created the world. I pray that they may mirror and replicate the, the, the love of the triune God. I pray that the way that they love one another will reflect the way that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit love one another because we participate in the love of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit when we love one another. I, and so Jesus' prayer is, I pray that the way, the way we are in heaven, let it be on earth. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the fundamental center of the whole thing. Now why? Well, among other things, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is it. How is the world going to know that Jesus is for real? It's by the love. It's by the love. They see it's real. It ought to be, it, it, and, and we just need to let this land. See, it, it, it ought to be a reality thing. People should look at the ecclesia, the church, the, the body of disciples, and they see something there. We, we don't need to argue them into it. They just see it there. The love is there in us individually and in us collectively. They see the reality of the triune God. And it's not just about the love that we have for one another. It's about the love that we have for all people. So Jesus said this. You hear this a lot in the teachings of Jesus. You've heard that it was said. And I'm just, I'm delu I'm just deluging you with Scripture because this is, this, is, this, is the script, this is the theme that runs throughout all Scriptures. We just can't get too much of this. So just let it land. Oh, and by the way, uh, the sermon notes uh, and a study guide will be on the, uh, the, the Woodland Hills Church website. And we encourage you, I hope some of you did that last week, uh, to, to get this, to download it, to, to, to meditate on it in your small groups, talk about it, explore it, internalize it. Uh, that's why it's there, because this is just such important stuff. We need to internalize this. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Now, this doesn't mean becoming a milk toast, and we'll talk more about the boundaries on this whole thing later on. But right now, we just got to land on, on the centrality of getting Christ-like radical love in our life for all people. Even when they persecute you, they have inherent, unsurpassable worth, and your job is to agree with God in affirming that. That's what it is to love them. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of, the, uh, of your Father in heaven. 
For He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. What's He talking about there? What He's saying there is this. You love the way the sun shines. You should love the way the rain falls. The rain doesn't pick and choose who it's going to land on. And the sun doesn't pick and choose who it's going to shine on. It just shines. And the rain just falls. So also you just love. You just love. Without consideration of the merit of the person, the worth, uh, the apparent worth of the person, you just love wherever you go. Live in love. It's saying the same thing. Clothe yourself with love. It's saying the same thing. Every person you see, every person that you encounter in your life, You've got one central obligation towards them, and that is, as a child of God, to ascribe unsurpassable worth to them. Whatever else you do, it should reflect this. They have got unsurpassable worth. That doesn't mean that every word is nice. Sometimes you ascribe unsurpassable worth by confronting people, but but that has got to be communicated. They have unsurpassable worth. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Human nature is to live life on a quid pro quo basis, isn't it? That's human nature. It's fallen human nature. You know, I'll do to you what you have done to me. The Bible says do unto others as you have them do unto you. Yeah, but we like to reflect it. So it's like, you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You're mean to me, I'm going to be mean to you. Jesus says, no, break out of that mold, and this is how the world will know that I'm for real. You love like people on the planet don't love. You, don't, you love in a way that worldlings who are not uh, born again, who don't have that regenerate spirit in them, they can't love like this, but you can, because you're participating in the love of the triune God. Let it show. Let it, let, let it flow. Love your enemies. Do good and lend. Expecting nothing in return, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. Your reward will be great, and we'll be talking about that in future weeks. There's nothing more rewarding than living in love, I'll tell you. And you will be children of the Most High. This is the sign of the children of the Most High. They love like this. It's outrageous. It's ridiculous. But that's, that's how people know that they're children of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. So love the ungrateful and even love the wicked. Be merciful, He says, just as your Father is merciful in Luke chapter 6. Paul says, do not overcome, be overcome by evil. You're overcome by evil when you retaliate with it. When someone's evil towards you and you're evil back, you're overcome by evil. Don't do that. Rather, return evil with good. Affirm the unsurpassable worth of the person even when they're involved in evil towards you. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. You have received without payment, give without payment. The center of the center of the center is this. I stand before you as a person who's been forgiven. I stand before you as a person who's been freed from condemnation. I stand before you as a person who has been ascribed unsurpassable worth by the Almighty God, Creator, and Savior, despite the fact that much of what I have done in life has, has said that I don't have worth. I've, it's freely been given to me. How then can I not live life ascribing that to other people? Freely I've received, freely give. Without conditions, without restraint, without questions. Freely you've, you've gotten, freely give. The worth that you've been given for free is the worth, the worth you're supposed to give for free. The love that you've been given for free is the love you're supposed to give to others for free. The forgiveness that you've been forgiven for free is the forgiveness you're supposed to give to other people for free. The freedom from condemnation that you've been given for free is the freedom from condemnation you're supposed to give to others for free. Praise God. Love as you've been loved. What God is to you, you be to other people. And that's how people see and know that God is for real. It's, that's the bingo right there. Hereby the world will know that you are His disciples by the love that you have. God leverages everything on this. His glory, which is the display of His love, He leverages on this. 
Folks, it's not by our fancy arguments. God can use arguments, you know, apologetics and rationalizations. That's fine. I'm for that. I do that. You know, he can, you know, but it's not, the center isn't about our, our good arguments, our proof texts, our, our historical evidence. The, 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 he doesn't leverage anything on that. He doesn't leverage anything on our ability to pass out tracts. He doesn't leverage anything in our ability to, to convince people of our doctrine. You know what? People don't care about your doctrine, really. They don't really give a rip about your moralistic stances on things. They really don't need more of, of your judgment. What they need is what God created them to need, and it's about love. They, they have a God-shaped vacuum in their heart. They're hungry for love. They're not hungry for your superior ethical knowledge or your superior, the superior doctrine stuff. What they're hungry for is love, and the conduit by which they're going to get it is you. Amen? He leverages everything on this. Everything on this. Everything on this. Everything on this. Whatever else we say, passing out tracts or or, or apologetic arguments or whatever, if love isn't first, if that's not the above all, if this isn't the the, the preeminent thing that gets communicated, sir, ma'am, you have unsurpassable worth. If that doesn't come through, ain't nothing worth coming through. I almost feel like in the body of Christ we just should just like, we can't do this, but just like put a moratorium on everything until we get this one down. You know, let's work on, on nothing but love for the next five years. And, and, and uh, just to get the priority right. And then maybe we'll progress to point number two. You know, because this is it. If this isn't there, this is the foundation for everything. If this isn't there, there's nothing worth being there. This is the bear. This is the bear. Aim at this and nothing but this. So what do people think about the church? Here's what I wish they would think. Here's, if, if the body of Christ is, uh, is being what it's supposed to be, it ought to look something like this. Here's kind of the words that should be said. This is my vision for the body of Christ. And I will say that, that I, I thank God to the extent to which we, we've done this. Uh, there are people here who have been brought in by love. But, but, but we need to grow in this. We need to grow in this. And uh, I want a hundredfold... Uh, intensification of what we already have. People should be saying things like, man, do, do you know who goes to that church? They got, they got the most unchurchy kind of people going there, people that would never step in a church. Do you know they've got prostitutes hanging around over there? Someone invites a prostitute to church and for some reason she comes. they got drug addicts there. they got criminals uh, going to that place. What kind of a weird church is that? I don't know, but man, they, 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 they sure know how to love. They got a lady, one of my friends has been married five times and she's now living with a guy. And they invited her to church and they seem to accept her. They, they seem to love her. And now she's just all excited about Jesus. What's that about? Read, read, read John chapter 4. You know, what kind of a church is that? I would have thought they would have beat the tar out of her. You know, I, I noticed that, you know, I'm not the most godly kind of person. In fact, my life is kind of, uh, you know, the opposite. But, but my neighbor, he, he just, he, I, I don't get, ever get the sense that he looks down on me. In fact, I, I, he seems like he seems to think that I'm important, and, and he looks me in the eye when he talks to me. In fact, those people, wherever they talk to, they seem to just radiate a sense that the people they're talking to are, are, are unimportant. I saw one of them talking to this old bag lady on the street without any kind of teeth and all smelly and all dirty, asking for money, and this per- person treated her like she was a king. He got down there, he spent time with her. What, what's with these people? And they seem to notice people with disabilities, that they're willing to be inconvenienced with, for people with, with, with disabilities. And by the way, when we greet one another, make sure that you look around and 
and, and, and notice people who are lower than you uh, physically because sometimes we, we miss them and they just watch us greet one another. But these, these people that ought to be being said, they're willing to be inconvenienced for people with disabilities. They, they just reach out like that. And they got every kind of race going there. they got every kind of social class going there. And they seem to get along. What's with this? I don't know what they believe, but man, they, they sure got a different kind of love. And you know, I got in a big fight with my neighbor. He, he, he goes to this church and I guess he's a Christian. I got a big fight. I chewed him out because he let his dog out and everything like that. Next morning it snowed after it was 92 degrees four days ago. And uh, I got up in the morning and my driveway was shoveled. He shoveled my driveway. I would have thought he would have held a grudge for five years. I don't know what this guy believes, but man, that's a weird kind of a love. There's something there. They get together in small groups. They visit one another in hospitals. They seem to really care about each other. I don't know about these, you know, they're kind of weird, but, but they sure have an unusual kind of love. They got people who don't even have teenagers that are given outrageously for a youth center because they care about other people's teenagers. What, what is with these people? They sure do know how to love. And, and you know what, they, they, they disagree and, and they argue about stuff, even important stuff, even controversial stuff, but it doesn't seem to divide them. I guess they put love above all those other things. What kind of a church is this? What kind of a people is this? Here's the, here's, here's the, the thing. If we live in this, I believe that because love is the magnet that God uses, because God is love, there will in fact be more and more. There already is, but there will be more and more people who would never otherwise step into a church. People will begin to bring friends who are not churchy because they're not afraid of other Christians looking at them and judging them and gossiping about them and saying, look at that, what that person's wearing. You see, if it's a community of love, that's gone. And people dare to start bringing their friends. I know people who don't bring people to church because they're afraid. They want to protect them. There's no bigger indictment on the church than when people have to protect other people from the church. Something is seriously wrong. If, if this is happening, people will be coming that would otherwise never step foot in a church. I, I, and you know what else will happen? People who get life from a distinctive that's not love, they get life from their doctrine, they get life from their moral stances and their superior ethical uh, perspectives on things, they will, they will rage at this. They will judge that. They will say, what are they, well, you know, this church is compromising. You know, they're, they're not balancing love with, with, uh, with, with doctrine. They'll judge that. But you know what? That's okay. They did that with Jesus too. Oh, he hangs out with these drunkards. He hangs out with these prostitutes. What kind of a Messiah figure is this? You know what? We ought to be proud when that happens to us. It's a sign that we're doing something right when that happens to us. We invite that. I want to leave you with this challenge. Here's the challenge. And I, I, every week I want to kind of give a reminding challenge. I want to encourage you this week to take one person. Believers here, your disciple. Unbelievers, I'm going to have a challenge for you too. But those who are believers here, your disciple, you're a Christian, a Christ lookalike. The goal is to have Christ formed in us, right? That's the central goal, to have Christ formed in us. Here's how we do it. Do this this week. I want to encourage you to do this. Take one person. Get a mental picture of one person in your life that you have trouble loving. Maybe it's a person you actually despise. Maybe it's a person who's hurt you. I don't know. One person that you have trouble loving. Let's work at it one at a time. And then pray something like this prayer. Jesus, show me the worth. You died for this person. Show me the unsurpassable worth that you see in this person. Father, show me the worth that you see and then help me to ascribe that same worth to them. And watch how the picture changes. Show me the worth that you see in them. God expands your heart when you do this. If you're open to it, if, you're not gonna, if you don't live in your grudge, if you don't live in your hatred or don't live in your apathy or live in your insensitivity, but rather you live in love, you abide in love, if that is really the center, 
then God will expand your heart and give you a different perspective. And now you're beginning to participate in His love. You're participating in His ascribing of unsurpassable worth. You're beginning to see this person the way God sees them, and that's the center of the center of the center. And now your thoughts about them and your words about them and your action towards them simply line up with what you see in them, and that is that they have unsurpassable worth. Unbelievers here this morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to challenge you with this. And at this point, I want to ask everybody to pray. Would you... Are you here this morning and you've never accepted the love of God towards you in the person of Jesus Christ? He loves you with a passionate, passionate love. But for that to happen, you need to say yes to it. And the Bible says if you just believe it in your heart and profess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. If you want to do that here this morning, would you just raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? And I'll pray with you from up here. And can I get get a little more lights in the house because I can't see uh, very well here. Uh, Raise your hand real high. Is there anybody here... Over there, young man, thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand very high if you want to. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He died for you. He ascribes unsurpassable worth to you. But you need to say yes to it. You need to say yes. Anybody else? Okay, there's a young man over here that I I want to encourage him to pray this prayer. And let's all pray it with him. Pray it, young man, from the depths of your heart. Heavenly Father, I love you. And I know that you love me. And I know that Jesus died for me. And so I ask you to come into my heart. Live in me. And help me live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now you who, believers, I want to ask you a challenging question here too. Keep your eyes closed. How many here, and this is just like a a, a first step, will commit to concentrating on at least one person in their life that they're not loving the way God loves? Would you raise your hand? This week you're going to work on one person. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so, Father, as we close here, I pray for each person, this young man who gave his heart to the Lord and anyone else who has, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd seal that in their heart and help them grow in this. And Father, I pray for every person who raised their hands and committed uh, to, to grow in love this week. Lord, help us to see like you see, love like you love, affirm worth as you affirm worth, Lord God. Freely we have received. Lord, help us to be radical believers, disciples who walk, affirming, affirming uh, the worth of everybody freely uh, that we encounter. Lord, help us to love like the sun shines. Lord, help us to love like the rain falls. Lord, love the world through us. Let it be done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, For this young man over here, and for others who committed their life to the Lord, in the back of the auditorium there's a table, and there'll be somebody back there, and they have some information for you uh, to get started on the Christian life. Would the prayer team come forward? And if you're here and have any need in your life whatsoever that you'd like someone to pray for, really I encourage you to come forward. Maybe it's an area of your life that you have trouble loving in. And uh, there would be some people here who would love to spend some time praying with you. Otherwise, go forth in the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Let Him shine. Amen? We love you guys. God bless.